Necessity is the mother of invention. So get ready for a mother of a ride. Gas up your laptops, your tablets, and devices, cause our asses are all quarantined inside. More and more every day, the world it feels so very far away. Less and less things to do, so pull up a chair and let us talk to you. I'm Summer. I'm Andrea. She teaches English. She's a historian. And this is the More and More Everyday Podcast. A daily blog and interview series to capture and preserve the stories of students and teachers in a world on the brink of change. 2020, the year of COVID-19, quarantine, and social change. Brought to you by the South Phoenix Oral History Project at South Mountain Community College. Today's interviews with Don Anderson, an adjunct faculty member teaching English composition at South Mountain Community College. Don's also a substitute teacher. We bonded over the fact that we're living through a historical moment, and I was really taken by Don's optimism about the creativity and innovative opportunities of teaching and learning in the COVID-19 era. Well, my name is Dawn Anderson, and I'm currently teaching with South Mountain Community College in South Phoenix. And I teach English, but that which is mostly composition, freshman composition classes right now. Great, thank you. And to get things started, just how are you? How are things going? Well, you know, this is uh, this is a strange time. So I feel like there's a sameness to every day, but every day is completely different. Like I don't know what to expect from it. So in general, I'd have to say that I'm, I'm good, I'm healthy. Um, my family is healthy as so far. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm teaching one class and have other things that I'm doing, so I'm rather busy. Good. Yeah. And when you look at the this time in your life, it's hard to imagine what you'll think in the future, but what will you remember, do you think, were some highs of the experience and what were some lows? Well, for me, uh, since I live alone and I've been living alone for a few years now, I, I feel guilty saying this, but, but this time I, I, I've been able to continue to live the way I like to live, but I, I have permission almost. <laughs> it's not an oddball thing to stay home and read and knit and paint and do all of those things that I would would prefer to do but don't usually have the time to do. So that's been a high for me. Mm-hmm. And the low, strangely enough, is that of course it's lonely. And I, I the, the biggest problem I have though with our climate and um, with the shelter in place order is that I can't get enough, I feel like I can't get enough exercise. Because mm-hmm. I can't just go walk now that it's over 100 every day and whatever I do, I have to do in my little place. And so that's challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. One of the things my students and I are really curious about is the concept of the watershed. So history ch- tends to track slow change over time, but we also look for a catalyst of change. And so we're actually looking at this in kind of a micro view. Um, We're curious as you look back to the beginning of all of this, we're calling it the COVID-19 era, 
can you actually pinpoint a day or a date where it seemed like everything changed for you? Well, that's a good question. Let me think for a second. Um, well, the for, I, I, okay. Um, the day that I found out we weren't coming back from spring break, everything changed. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that date would have been uh, that Thursday or Friday, which I think was the 8th or 9th of March. Is that right? Maybe a little later, maybe later than that. Yeah, the Thursday was the 12th and Friday was the 13th. Yeah, so around that time, because I had just gotten back from, um, from Minnesota and was preparing to go back to class and make that change over to the the most difficult part of any English 102, you know, the, the rush down to the research paper. And all of a sudden, I wasn't going back to my substitute job. I had ironically had a, a two-week full-time um, English language learner position that I had already booked that I was very excited about. So that was gone. And then I find out we're not, we're, we have an extra week of spring break. And and so for somebody who's I'm as you know I'm usually doing a you know way too many things at once <laughs> and a bit stressed by that and all of a sudden I two of the biggest ones were, were wiped off the board yeah so you know there's a little bit of delight in that at first but then there was just this cascade of information you know so much information and having to try and sift through that and make sense of of what was uh, what I what was trustworthy and what wasn't was it got to be very strange, <laughs> very strange. Yeah. yeah so how did you communicate initially with your students about these things shifting uh, initially, I communicated with them through email, I believe, and then I called the ones that I didn't hear back from. Mm -hmm. um, and I do have students that didn't come back to class, mm -hmm. that were answered, and I know that I'm not alone in that. I know that a lot of people have had that experience, but it's it's hard. Yeah. Not knowing what happened with them and not, you know not being able to offer any kind of help with the class or anything. Mm -hmm. It's hard, it's still hard. It is. Yeah. And if you, even if you do know what's happening, you know why they've disappeared. Maybe they have increased hours at work or they're caring for somebody. Um, it's still so hard because there's very little help and support we can give um, beyond right. flexibility, really, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And I, I'm also a member of this um, group that's closed now, unfortunately, called Pandemic Pedagogy. There's 25,000 teachers from, from high school. I think it's mostly high school and college, but I could be wrong about that. It is fabulous just to check in on um, how you're feeling about everything and what you're doing. It ranges from just, you know, complaining to <laughs> to really really good suggestions about things to do and how to respond and and also some of the trends that are going around going on um nationally mm -hmm. uh with grading and things like that some of the some of the things that different institutions are coming up with 
How did your communication with students evolve from that first point of contact to now? Well, that's a very good question. Uh, I, I still range back, I range back and forth and I, I let the students determine. I have that luxury because I'm only teaching the one class. So some of them have not fully switched over to say using WebEx, even though that was the first thing in my new module was the WebEx training. And some of them have done that and are using it. Um, but some just text me or call, I gave out my phone number and they call me and that's fine. Yeah. It's like I'm, it's not like I'm doing, you know, a, a lot of things that can't be interrupted by a phone call. If it works for them, I think that's, that's the point. So, and then I still use email and I, and I, um, I probably post at least one announcement a week in Canvas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And discussions. So there are a lot of different ways that mm -hmm. I communicate with them. Great. I've also, I've also started using a, a, a reflective writing assignment every week, which is turned out to be fabulous. Yeah, what kinds of things do you have them writing about? Uh, just mostly um, their process. For instance, they're in, their, they're in the research weeds right now, and that's so wiggly. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it, but you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So I have them just describe an incident, and I give them some prompts that they can choose if they want and then tell me what they learned from telling me that incident. Mm -hmm. And it's been better than any other writing I'm getting, honestly. Mm -hmm. Much more detailed and authentic and um, just really useful to me and I think to them too. So I'll keep that, yeah. keep that forward. That's great. Way to go. Yeah, yeah I like it. Good. Um, you mentioned WebEx uh, and as well as this pedago uh, pandemic pedagogy group that you joined. Beyond mm -hmm. those two things, have you tried out a new skill or tool um, during this time? Well, I'm doing that right now. <laughs> Not Zoom, but, you know, I've been wanting to do podcasting. Uh -huh. I just, I'm taking it. I'm taking it kind of easy with with things like that because what I did was I restructured my whole class okay. for um, online because I just wanted to value different things. Mm -hmm. So I moved, I, I really did rebuild it and I didn't want to add some skill that I wasn't comfortable with yet into the mix. So I'll save that for another time. I'm doing video conferencing and trying to learn all of the bells and whistles that WebEx has to offer. Um, and that's a lot right there. Yeah. What about personally? What are you doing at home uh, to fill the time, to feel a sense of normalcy, or to keep yourself active and curious? Well, I'm also taking a class online, and it's an art studio art class. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, that's pretty weird. Um, and it's painting, so... I'm painting a lot and getting much better at it, um, and I'm way, but I'm way behind. I really feel for my students that there are some days when I just can't bear to pick up a brush, mm -hmm. and I don't know why. It seems like it would be a good thing to do, but I just have something else going on. So I do that. I read. I'm reading a lot. Um, participating in 
Zoom calls with other people, talking to my sister on the phone an awful lot. <laughs> <laughs> and cleaning, cleaning and cooking, like just about, <laughs> like a lot of other people in the country right now. Oh my gosh, so much cooking. I'm like, my world is revolving around what I'm cooking. It's like, oh. I know, I know. I went through that. At, at first, I was I was more on top of that, and I was going to be doing, you know, sourdough starter and yogurt and all of that. And now I have too many things. I'm also, I'm also interviewing for work. Oh, good. Yeah. So I'm a little bit overwhelmed, um, and I'm just doing sheet pan dinners now, but they're delicious. Oh, Easy. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. What do you miss? I miss hugging my son. Mm -hmm. Is he here in town? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's here. And he's here. He's but he's working in retail, so you know that worries me. Mm -hmm. But he's an adult, and he can make his own decisions. And he has he has a mask and gloves, and even safety glasses, I think. So, mm -hmm. um, but I miss I miss seeing him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry. And I miss my students. I have to tell you, you know, I'm getting teared up about seeing, not being able to hug my son. I have the same experience when I see my students on WebEx. I miss them. Me too. Mm. Yeah, I think, I wonder if we'll, I wonder if we won't take for granted physical touch when this is all over. I think not. <laughs> I know I won't. I'm not, I've never been a big hugger, but I miss hugs a lot. Yeah. Well, I know that there's research out there that says there's a connection between cognitive decline and lack of physical affection. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we should perhaps teach hugging. <laughs> Rather than saying we can't hug our students, perhaps we should be teaching Appropriate hugging. I do it correctly. Hugging boundaries 101. I love it. I love it. <laughs> when you think into the future, what are you hoping for and what are you fearful of? I Well, that's, that's a good question. Those things, of course, are related. Um, I personally feel... Uh, that this crisis is uh, uncovering all of the cracks that many of us have known were there for a long time, but it's making them very, very obvious. Mm -hmm. And that now is our an unusual opportunity for us to deal with those. And I mean uh, the fact that our healthcare system doesn't work for an awful lot of people. Um, the way we do our work doesn't work for an awful lot of people. Um, climate change needs to be addressed because, you know, when you go out in the morning now and you hear the birds sing, it's a very different place out there. And they know it. Mm -hmm. they know it. And I personally don't want to give that up. So I have hope that we give that up. And my fear is that that's going to be quite a battle. Mm -hmm. And we don't know what form that battle will take, but I don't see how something like this couldn't have 
tumultuous effects. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of, I feel privileged to be alive at this time. I really do. Mm -hmm. Just to witness that change. Yeah, me too. There are some days where I do not feel privileged. I feel, you know, stifled. But yeah. there are days that I'm, historically speaking, I'm like honored that I get to be a part of such a significant moment. Yes. Yeah. Ugh. Do you have a favorite quote or mantra that seems to be particularly resonant at this time? I, I don't, I don't, but, um, but somebody told me, or I read somewhere, that's where we find these things, right? Um, just a reminder to, you know, tell the people that you love that you love them. Don't wait. Don't, don't um, clam up on that because you feel like you're going to sound stupid or it's the wrong time or, or maybe it wouldn't be well received. Just do it because we don't know. None of us know. And um, that's what we need right now. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I really only have one more question for you. So the question is, if you were to read this blog or if you were to stumble onto this podcast and listen to an interview, what would you be hoping to hear from students and faculty and educators across the country? I, well, I'm, I'm not hoping to hear it. I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. I listen to your blog and I listen to other blogs. And what I'm hearing is that there is this amazing um, upswell of creativity online. Yeah. That again, offers, offers us an opportunity to change things in all worlds, right? And in, in the physical world, in, in the online world, just a way that we use it to make and consume art and take care of one another and um, teach. <laughs> I'm enjoying online teaching a lot more than I expected to. That's a surprise to me. That's great. I'm so glad to hear that. Well, you... I get a lot more time with individual time with students this way. Yeah, that's true. And are you teaching in the fall? I am. I have, th I have three that so far, but okay. nobody knows what the fall is going to look like in terms of enrollment, right? So... Yeah, no. I, I expect that those might be online too. I'm just not prepared to get my hopes up at this point. Right. And I, you know, now that I know the difference, you know that I've taught more hybrid classes than fully online. I, I don't want to go back to hybrid. I don't think they work very well at all. Like our last um, question is a two-parter. The first is where can people find you if you want them to? Uh, do you have a social media or an email that they can reach out to you? Otherwise, you can say, you know, no. <laughs> um, well, people can reach me through my South Mountain email, okay. which, which is dawn, D-A-W-N-E, dot anderson at southmountaincc.edu. Um, I don't, and I am available on Facebook, but I don't really have a professional presence on Facebook, so probably keep that separate um, until I until I get a website together, which is something that I'd like to work on. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then final question, do you have any books or movies or TV shows that you've been watching as a form of escape that you could suggest to others? Oh, yes, yes. And this is what I was talking about earlier with the proliferation of creativity online. So right now you can watch uh, live theater performances, uh, taped live theater performances by National Theater online. And this week is the last, this morning is the last day for Twelfth Night. It's fabulous. And coming up is Benedict Cumberbatch with in Frankenstein, which is, they've all been, you know, just amazing. So there's a lot of theater, uh -huh. a lot of off-Broadway theater available online. I'm reading about five different books and uh, Radical Hope by Kevin Gannon. Do you know that book? I've not read it, but I know it. Yeah. I'm reading that and I'm loving that. And uh, I'm reading another book by Gordon S. Wood that's been on my shelf for about 30 years called The Radicalization of the American Revolution. He's a historian for Brown. Of course, yeah. So that's uh, helping me understand these times. Because <laughs> I feel like we've kind of, come, kind of returned to a time where people are thinking that they, perhaps they'd like to have a monarchy, you know? Yeah. And his, his book is all about the difference, the radical break from that kind of system. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Gosh, Don, thank you so much for spending some time with me this morning. It was great to talk with you. You too. Thank you for asking me. Of course. I'm so excited, and I'm, I'm happy to see that this is going pretty well for you. Um, I'm not surprised because you're very much an innovator, but it's really, it's really nice to hear how things are going. Thank you. It's, it's great to see a face that I know. <laughs> I know. These interviews have been so sustaining for me because they're ways for me to connect with, with people. Yeah. 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 Good. All right. Well, you enjoy the rest of your week. Okay, Summer. Good to see you. Bye, Don. You can find us at SouthPhoenixOralHistory.com. Send us an email at HistorySouthMountain at gmail.com. Or find us on social media at SMCC History. Music provided by Jake and Emily Speck.